You're listening to the Creatively Connected Classroom, episode number 15. Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet, connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K 12 Art Chat founders, Matt and Laura Grundler. Hey, everybody, this is Matt and Laura Grunler, and I want to welcome you to the next episode of the Creatively Connected Classroom. And so today on our podcast, we are talking with Holly Best Kincaid. She hosted a chat for us several weeks ago about meeting the needs of diverse learners. So first off, Holly, I just want to welcome you and really looking forward to having this conversation with you today. Yeah, Holly, we were so excited to have you. I had the opportunity of spending a week with Holly this summer and getting to know her even better. We were at the School for Art Leaders together, so that was really fun. But Holly, can you tell us a little bit more about your own teaching experience, your background, your journey, and maybe even, because I find it so interesting, where you teach in the kind of community you teach in? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I have had a diverse background, I guess, too, that's led me to where I am. I'm in my 25th year of teaching. And I started off in a very rural community, one stoplight town, and I've taught elementary and middle school. So I've kind of done some different levels. I taught in that rural community for about 12 years and then headed off to the big city of Houston. So I went from a one stoplight town to a giant city. That's a big jump. (laughs) Yes. And so I was teaching elementary and intermediate school down in Houston and then back to Virginia. And I'm in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia in a town called Harrisonburg. It's the home of James Madison University. And it's a lovely little valley town right in the Blue Ridge Mountains, but we are a really unique community. My students speak about 44 different languages at home in my school. In the district itself, I believe we have 63 different languages spoken at home. Many of our students are refugees or immigrants, and they are in our school sometimes within the first four months of being in the country. So it's really an interesting environment in which to teach. Wow. How do you, I just, I've worked with newcomers before and I I know that having that safe environment is so important, but with so many different languages and so many different cultural and diverse backgrounds, how do you provide a safe learning environment for those kids? Because everything is coming at them in a, a new, I just can't imagine walking in their shoes. How do you provide that safety net? Well, I think, you know, it starts with really getting to know your students and building a community. I think that's with any school, no matter where you are, it's creating a safe space for students to feel like they can use their visual voice and they can share things and use their artwork to be an outlet for a lot of things that especially middle school students, I think, are dealing with and coping with on a daily basis. You know, it's hard. It's it's hard to be a teenager these days. But, you know, I am just really blessed. I think it's a matter of being open and honest with students and getting to know them, allowing them time to share And I am just so amazed by my students. You know, each year they teach me so much and it's giving them that chance to really find success in sharing who they are and where they come from, because I am learning about parts of the world that honestly, I, you know, I didn't 
know some of these country names before I, mm-hmm. I came and, and teaching these students. So it's a mutual learning environment. Wow. I guess that kind of leads me into one of the questions that you had was thinking about all of these different learners, these diverse cultures. You know, you also have that big giant language barrier, you know, where you got, you know, it just seems overwhelming. I mean, to, you just said 44 different languages. That just, that seems huge. And so, I mean, what are some strategies that you use to kind of not combat that, but to help kind of ease that and ease it for the student as well as for a teacher who might be kind of in those same shoes. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I actually did a presentation at NAEA last year with Trina Harlow, and we were talking about the refugee students. But I think working with this population is really interesting. With our school and our district, we are required in every single classroom to have the students speaking, reading, or writing every day. So in every class, we're trying to encourage the students to talk. I'm getting them to talk about their artwork, to Mm -hmm. write their art statements, to write about art history pieces that we might be studying. So there are different things that I might do. But even in the simplest prompts or drawing prompts, I remember a student and we were talking about the sketchbook prompt was, you know, imagine that you're traveling through space. What would you see? What would you experience? And one of the other students said the word alien. I might see an alien. And that caused an uproar in my classroom, that one word and trying to, you know, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, that's wait. not what they yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then I had a student who had no idea that what planets looked like because, you know, where he was from, that was not something that was studied or even like discussed. So it's really opened up my mind and my perception of different words and meanings. Even doing the Inktober prompts um, has really been interesting to talk to some of these students. And I've loved it though, because they're really talking about how words have different meanings and they're looking them up. I have technology available for the kids so they can Google it. <laughs> so yeah. It, oh, yeah. it's, I think it's just having resources available the, the students feel like they have ownership of that if they need to look something up, they are welcome to do that. It's fabulous that you have those resources. Mm-hmm. Not every school district has that, but I do find that we're maybe in an advantage in the art room because we are so visually dependent. You know, I remember the first time I had a student that spoke Farsi and I didn't have any other kids in Texas. A lot of times what we have is Spanish speakers and usually there's a couple kids in the room that speak Spanish and English and they can help me, you know, work through those issues. But the first time I had a student that spoke Farsi and I, I didn't have anyone to help me translate, I relied heavily on those visual cues. And I think that that was the benefit of being in an art room. But I also know what you mean about those refugee students. And there's a certain trauma of just being in middle school. But then when you add the layers of some of these experiences that children have have really endured, and I mean trauma, a look at that. And, and one of your questions was that everyone's art is valid. And I think about something you said earlier about being able to express themselves and and feeling safe in that expression, how do you help them? Or has there ever been a time where you've had to help kids work through some trauma? Yes. And, and I think being vulnerable myself as a role model in how my own artwork sometimes has helped me to work through those moments where I didn't have 
the words to talk about the way I was being hurt within Mm -hmm. and to share with those kids, those really vulnerable moments. Like I actually did a prompt and I've done this a couple of times where I've asked the students to do artwork based on memories. I allow my students, it's, it's a fairly choice-based room. So the students have access to a variety of materials and mediums in which to work. The results of memories, just as a prompt, was so powerful with my students. And some of them started off with very childlike, playful, fun memories, but I required them to do three. And as they did the second one, and then they did the third one, they became a little bit more brave. Mm-hmm. And when they started sharing and talking, other memories bubbled up and it was really wonderful. I actually used circle time to talk about different things and to share. So we passed a little, I have a little snowball that lights up and we'll throw it. So whoever's got the talking snowball, um, <laughs> they just snowball those ideas out. But it's really fun to to see what they share because within those kids finding such powerful artwork and some of it still resonates with me today. And when I see them, I'm like, you know, this is something that deserves to be in a museum because it's Mm -hmm. that powerful. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Based on your snowball comment, you also had, (laughs) well, I was just thinking about instructional strategies. You know, we all have different tips and tricks that we use in the classroom. What are some instructional strategies that you use on a regular basis that help you incorporate all different learning styles? Well, definitely in a choice-based room, I'm, I'm able to have the kids working on a variety of different things. I actually have a student who is coming and she's really coming in just for the social interaction and she's learning some work skills. She's very artistic and she's in our one of our special needs classrooms and she comes with a student aide who's working with her. But it's really fun to see how I can engage her and get her to create and then also to do some work and to interact with other students, but I have the ability since they're working on so many choice projects that I'm able to challenge some of my really gifted students and at the same time nurture and by maybe grouping kids at certain tables or working on certain materials to kind of teach each other. One of my favorite moments in the last couple of weeks, I have a student who really his confidence level has been struggling. And I showed him a couple little techniques with uh, paintbrush strokes and getting some different things. And now I'm like any kid that's wanting to know how to do grass or textures with paint. I'm like, Hey, go over and see him. He can show you. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, really activating the student as a teacher and mm-hmm. a leader in the classroom has been fun to watch and the kids just really blossom. And so they love those opportunities. That's something that I'm really embracing in a choice room. That's awesome. Hi there. It's Susan Riley from Education Closet. Did you know that we have an online arts integration and STEAM conference that you can access from anywhere? Sit in your PJs, grab a journal, and just enjoy some great presenters and sessions, all from the comfort of home. Plus, you'll get 10 PD hours and lifetime access. You in? Then hop over to artsintegrationconference.com and check out all the details. We'd love to help you reach your goals. Now, let's get back to Holly, Matt, and Laura. So you touched on it a couple times already, but I was, you know, you were talking about these kids that are coming from different places just around the world that have these different experiences. Do you 
specify or do you go specifically and find artists that might help, you know, broaden understanding, especially, you know, on like a global scale, we talk about artists and how they can affect their community. We talk about how artists can affect their, basically the world around them. You know, how do you, do you go and look for specific artists or maybe share some of the artists that you've used to help kids understand, especially if they're from that particular area that they might be coming from? You know, it's, it's really been interesting. Some of, there've been moments where I've definitely done some research, but the students honestly bring so much to the table when it's discussions. Last year, I remember doing a clay project and I learned a new clay technique from a student, a seventh grade boy who was a newcomer from Africa. And he was applying and creating a hand-built clay piece of pottery, like a vase. And he was using little balls and pinching them all the way around and created the most amazing vase that I'd ever seen. And I, he was doing it so fast. And I actually stopped and had a little conversation with him. And he was telling me that as a child, that that's what the children in his village did. They actually made pottery and would sell it. So it's really amazing that when you can stop and notice and talk to the kids, they will bring forth some of the artwork from their communities and the skills that they've learned. I was amazed at his quality of workmanship with his pottery pieces. And he actually ended up teaching some other students this technique because it was beautiful and it had such an interesting texture to it. So I think there is a part of me as an educator who wants to seek out and find, but there's also part of me that wants to learn and allow the students to share from their experience because I wouldn't have been able to research that. That was something he brought as a firsthand experience of something that he learned. That in itself is priceless. That's something that Google couldn't have. (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's authentic. I mean, we were just talking with a previous person about authenticity. And I mean, you don't get much more real than that. So, Well, and you're validating his experiences and his place in the world Mm -hmm. and that he's bringing this to the table. I mean, he must have felt so good. Oh, to be able to share it. To share that with other people. I'm wondering, earlier you mentioned, it's kind of a two-pronged thing. You definitely have embraced the choice-based art studio, which sounds like a lot of juggle, but you also talked about this term visual voice. Can you kind of meld those two together and give us kind of a, an idea of what it looks like to be in your classroom? So, you know, it was really fun. I had uh, pretty much every administrator in my building that just stopped by last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> they just stopped by. They were uh, doing a nice little deed for the teachers. It was like, do something kind day. And they brought us uh, pastries and coffee. But while I was in the hallway, they walked in and took a few minutes to kind of see what the kids were doing. So imagine 27 students, eighth graders in a classroom, and you would see probably seven to eight different materials being used at the same time, a variety of different projects from working in their sketchbook or working on their digital portfolio creations on their iPads or painting. But the students were all engaged. They were all working. And several of the students were using what I call their visual voice, expressing their own 
feelings, opinions. So trying to help my students to understand that artists might express ideas, express feelings, express things that might help make our world a better place. So I'm constantly trying to encourage my students to use their artistic talent to express their thoughts and their ideas. Because for me, that was the most powerful thing that my high school educator, art teacher, taught me was to allow me to, in a very difficult moment in my life, to let art be my voice. So that was a powerful moment for me. And I know that these students are going through trauma and I want them to be able to, almost in an art therapeutic way, use art as a way to express themselves and maybe get some of that frustration out in a kind way through paint and marks on a paper. So we need more of that. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that is we need more. Yeah. It's the kids will amaze every day if they're given an opportunity and and really validating what they have to say because it could be the simplest thing about, you know, a pet that was really important to them, but there's going to be a reason behind that. So if you can then have them dig deeper into that idea, it's just they might be teenagers, but they have so many experiences already and mm-hmm. To capture those is priceless for them and for us as educators. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things I love hearing you say again over and over, Holly, is that, you know, we're always learning and I always feel like I'm learning just as much from those that I'm teaching that, you know, I'm getting just as much out of it, which is one of the reasons I, I'm so passionate about education is that, you know, we're always growing and that's what's so beautiful about it. So yeah. I know my mom taught for 32 years. She's 90 years old. And she always said, you know, if you, you've got to constantly be learning. And my mom, she's still learning and still has that thirst for more information and more knowledge. And, you know, she always told me that if I ever felt like I I knew it all, (laughs) I needed to really (laughs) stop and check myself because... We all have so much to learn and, you know, our world is changing. And I feel like this hunger to try to gather more information constantly because there's so many interesting things happening. For sure. So I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, you know, we get involved in these discussions and I always, I think Matt and I always say we have a lot of wow moments because it's, or that we just really agree. Like there's a lot of head nodding. I know <laughs> the people out there on the podcast can't see it, but we're just like, oh yeah. You know, the discussion of when you hosted K-12 Art Chat was fierce. It was really a great discussion. There was a lot of talk during the chat. Just curious if you had gotten any feedback after the chat or during the chat that maybe continued or you had some aha moments yourself from. Yeah, it was pretty fast paced. And I've had to kind of go back and and look through some of the conversations that went on. And I really enjoyed even the slow chat that followed because there were some great things that I think were shared and came from that. But even locally, just sharing with some of my fellow colleagues discussing some of the ideas has been really interesting to talk about even in my own school because we're all struggling with a diverse population and how we balance that. And I think really thinking about the ways that we can use project-based learning to help students in every classroom Mm -hmm. to 
give them a voice and help them to share their learning in a different way. I even kind of brought back some ideas with some of my colleagues about using chatter picks. And I did a arts integration project mm-hmm. with kind of having my students illustrate stories from the Civil War and created in a sort of a Kara Walker style, some silhouetted imagery, but then use chatter picks to tell a kind of an made-up story, putting themselves in that time period and what might have happened and what was going on. So they were writing, they were speaking, they were illustrating, and they were basically sharing visually the things that they were learning in their history civics classes. So it was a great way to really document learning that was happening in the classroom in a different way. So I think there's just so much opportunity that we might have to embrace art and the power it has to get our students to communicate what they are actually taking in from our classes. It's, I think it's a lot more than some people give them credit for. You know, I think we really underestimate them. And I've seen that at the middle school level as well, just this year so far. So with that being said and kind of ending on that note, is there any like last bits, words of wisdom? Not that it hasn't been wisdom filled already, but is there any last bits of wisdom you could share with us as we part? Well, I, you know, I'm constantly learning new ways to bring out the inner artist and my students and to get them to communicate. And, you know, I'm doing mindful moments with some of my students and doing different things. But I think, I guess I would just encourage educators to maybe stop and listen a little bit more to observe a little bit of what they are creating and find those little tiny things sometimes that are hidden in the sketchbooks or hidden in drawings that might be interests for the students that might bring them out a little bit. I think just being a good listener, being patient and opening our eyes to be observant to our students because they're going to tell us what they need. And that's what I'm there for is to nurture that inner artist and the passion that I have for art and try to pass that on to them. So that's my way of saying thanks to my high school art teacher, Miss Doman, who inspired me. So every time I inspire another child, that's my way of saying thanks to her. I'm that's, a, that's, a, that's a Peter Reynolds moment there. <laughs> yeah, that was sure. awesome. That was like, just, yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm crying because that's, I think that that's what it's all about, Holly. And you know, inspiring that next artist and inspiring that place to give a visual voice to the kids. So cannot thank you enough for being on the podcast tonight. And, you know, I know we'll be connecting again. I know you're presenting at NAEA this year and and we'll be excited to see you there. So yeah, I look forward to every time we're together. It's always great. It's always (laughs) inspiring. We got the best PL in. (laughs) We do. I agree. I agree. Well, Well, you all have a wonderful evening and thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks again. So, all right. We will talk with you later. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Heads up 7up friends. If you've been enjoying these episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Creatively Connected Classroom podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release a new episode each and every week. And take a screenshot and put it on your favorite social media. Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you name it. Tag Education Closet and K12 Art Chat so we can reach out and say thanks. And if you really love us with all the feels, give us a review and or a rating over on iTunes. It helps others find the show and connect with our incredible community. Thanks for all your support.